You're listening to the Shire Fit Podcast. This series, Max and Johnny explore how to become the master of your mindset. Okay, we're back, guys, for a, another podcast with me and Johnny. Um, now we've got two married men. Hey, to, uh, we're off the market, ladies. I'm sorry. Certainly <laughs> <laughs> disappointed women out there. I could hear the size. Um, we've had a little break um, in the podcast because I've been away uh, in Mallorca getting married and in Berlin competing. So um, big, big fortnight for you, that wasn't it? Huge, yeah, yeah big. Uh, it's twelve days, and it's quite a lot to get into twelve days. But I'm back, and I'm happy to be here doing the podcast. Back to normality, back to coaching. It's back to here in the gym doing the podcast. Yes. That, yeah, that is the luxury. That was what I was looking for. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, similar format, guys. This is our mindset series. I think we are three in when this episode is released. Is it three? Four. Four in? No, three in. This is the fourth. This is the fourth, yeah. 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 But we'll we'll so be three, three in. When this we... is the fourth. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Three in when we uh, release this podcast. This is the fourth. Uh, we're going to do about eight. Uh, so, um, this is our next instalment. We're going to start off with the traditional format, which is a warm up question from one of our members. Uh, actually, tell a lie, this person's not a member, they're a listener. So, this Ooh. is from one of our listeners. Ooh, uh, we have listeners outside of the members. We do, that's that correct. Cool. Uh, we have a question from Amy who asks us, What is your favourite CrossFit workout and why? I will start by asking you that question, Johnny. So, I. I have two answers because I took this as a, a benchmark CrossFit workout. So in CrossFit, you have the girl workouts and you have the hero workouts. And in the girl workout sense, my favorite is Isabel, which is 30 snatches for time at uh, 60 kilos for guys and 40 kilos for women uh, as fast as possible. And my favorite hero, are you going to say something? I was going to say, and why? Oh, and why? Just because I like that, I'm good at it. <laughs> I've, always, like, I've always attended to being quite good at it. It was the first workout that I did that I had a real sense of achievement with. You know, I could do it RX quite quickly into my CrossFit journey, which I'm quite like fortunate about. You know, we chatted about that kind of strength from like playing rugby mm. all, my, all my teenage years. Yeah, it's, it's a power-based workout, right? Sure. We're yeah. looking at less than two minutes, maybe, for most people. For elite athletes. But, oh, so and less then, than three for most. Yeah. You, you'd want it, I think if you were doing it and you wanted the correct stimulus, you'd go for a sub-two time. Yeah. I mean, use a weight that would allow you to do it in sub-two mm. rather than going heavier. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, Eddie Hall did this workout, didn't he? Was he? 107 or something. Really? It's a world record, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, he muscle... Muscle snatch. Muscle snatch, yeah. slash, slash, like, just ripped the bar off the floor. Just, yeah. So when I got one of my best times, I muscle snatched it, because it was still very early in my CrossFit career that my snatch technique was awful. So, like, yeah. rounded back, muscle snatch, like, literally just grip and rip. Yeah. And it was me and the owner of CrossFit Cardiff, literally, like, he texted me, it was like, bro, do you fancy doing a workout? Like, I'm on my way back, I'll come pick you up. And I was like, yeah, yeah, fine. It was like a Sunday afternoon, and we just went and did Isabel. Yeah, I was... 20. All I remember, 20. I've done it three times, Isabel, and all I remember is severe forearm it's pain crazy. afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Like, not during, it's one of them workouts where you finish it. Yeah. And then you just get that forearm, just like, you can't forearm get rid of it. Yeah, you can't yeah. get rid of it. It's brutal. So I've not done it in ages, actually. And the last time I did it was actually on a competition floor in. Brussels, Brussels Throwdown. Cool. And Dmitry Klokov was shouting at me. Because <laughs> That's I was in nice. the lead and I started to lose my lead because I got so sweaty I couldn't actually grip the bar. It was heavy as a yeah. was. It was 70. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, and I, I didn't have, like, I learned a lot of lessons that weekend, but I didn't have mm. sweatbands. So, like, and my chalk was, like, getting, like, really, like, pasty. Mm. 
So that was frustrating. So I just literally clock up next to me, shout and go, pick it up! And I was like, ah! like 23, like running with this man screaming at me. Anyway. Did you like, shout back? No, I was like, I was you're, like I'm driving! You're on gear, so <laughs> shut the fuck up. No, it was like bringing back like memories of your parents shouting. You know, like, I'm, I'm trying. Crying. Anyway, so cool. that's my Number two. And Nate would be my favourite hero yeah. workout. You, we, we briefly discussed this before we started. Nate's such a cool workout, isn't it? Yeah, so for people that don't know it, it's 20 minute AMRAP of uh, two muscle-ups, four handstand push-ups, and eight kettlebell swings, RX weight being two pood for men, <laughs> two kilos, um, 1.5 pood for women, which yeah. is 24. So a pood is 16 kilos, which is such an interesting measure of anything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love that workout, because I, I think for that workout, that's a great test of your ability to pace mm. and your ability to stay consistent. Yeah, it's only two muscle-ups. If you go too hot, you're going to start paying You're you screwed, yeah. yeah. So it's two muscle-ups, it's four hands-on push-ups and it's eight swings. So mm. really, you want to be pacing it so that you can go unbroken yeah. each round. And, and, and like I've tested myself in the past, I'm like, ooh, can I eam on this? I'm not sure I managed that, but I can't remember. Last time I did that was here. Last year? 18 months ago? Something like that? Didn't, didn't we do it? Yeah, I think... We would have done it in maybe, yeah, maybe in the breathe actually as like a technical one, yeah. So I like that one. Yeah, me too. Um, mine is slightly different, kind of shows maybe our personalities a little bit. Um, Johnny going for the power output, barbell and, and the aerobic skill, yeah, uh, yeah. skill based sort of endurance, yeah. Mine is all about workout, uh, work output. So I like uh, this workout, it's called Small, which is a hero workout. It's three rounds. 1,000 meter row, 50 burpees, 50 box jumps, and 800 meter run. I have horrible memories of that workout. And it is class. It's just a big, long aerobic workout, basically. And I love it. Yeah, it's just like high volume, high work rate. Like there's nothing that's too like skill-based or weight-based that's going to slow you down. You can just get your head down and go. And that's why I love it. But... I think the good thing about small is that you could do it in two different ways. Because mm -hmm. you could do that as a test of your aerobic capacity mm. right okay let's see how you pace it yeah also like how far you go like how fast can you do that and maintain good form yeah and then another way that you could do that would be a testing uh, sorry a training workout be like right the, the goal is pace it is intraset repeatability yeah like i want all you to three be rounds yeah same. all three rounds the same time you know same pace on the rower same pace on the run mm. same pace on the the burpees uh what's it the movement box jumps box jumps yeah yeah so like you know you could do box jump step down like same pace, like, you know, every rep looking the same. And I think that as a training workout is a really great tool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the reason it's my favorite is because there's no like barriers to entry. Like it's, it's just about how hard you want to work really. Like yeah. it, there's nothing going to slow you down. I, I like workouts like that, but then I, I also enjoy the challenge of like two muscle ups repeatedly. Like you're going to have it's, it's a different challenge. So the challenge there is like pacing so that you can actually hit it, whereas this challenge is like how hard do you want to work. And yeah, I think you've, you've got a case for um, burpees being potentially something you would scale for someone who maybe did not have the pressing endurance to sustain the movement for that long. Like 150 reps is no mm. jump change. So it's one of those where if you see yourself breaking down on the burpees or the box jumps, at least then it's a sign of your muscle endurance in those movements needing work. Mm. So again, it's, it's a good one to test and train with. Yeah. Wicked. Um, like I say, guys, I'll keep, we'll keep answering these questions. Um, so I'll put the next uh, podcast on with a little bit of a question box on Instagram. So if you've got any questions, fire it on there. We'll add you to the queue.
Um, next part of the podcast is our strength section, which is our take on a popular fitness concept. Johnny is literally ready to go here, guys. He, <laughs> he's in the start blocks ready. Yeah. <laughs> you are so uh, ready to answer this question. Uh, well, uh, tech, give, it, give your opinion on this uh, concept. The concept is the leaner you are, the fitter you are, um, which is promoted by probably, I'd say, I don't know, 60, 70% of PTs and things like that on Instagram. So, yeah, I'll let you uh, go first on this one, Johnny. <laughs> How long do we have? Mm. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't agree with this for multiple reasons. Um, because I think the issue with this is the dark place that it can lead people. And I also think it's another sign of very you know large anti-fat bias in the world at large, uh, particularly the Western society that we're in, in the UK and uh, the US, very much you know pander to this. And the reason why I disagree is that you have literal uh, examples of when it's not true. There's a case for people being of certain body shapes performing better at certain sports, and then you could, you, you know, you could start going down the line of certain genetic adaptations, and that's why the best are the best anyway, because you know, even despite what they might, you know, they obviously eat well and train hard, but you know, even if I did that, I might not have the same results as Michael Phelps, for example, and mm. you know, you get like, into all of that genetic debate, but. If we even looked at CrossFit as a sport, you can see someone like uh, Brooke Wells, in my opinion, went too lean and in the CrossFit Games suffered the consequences of that and since has struggled more with injuries mm. and low performance rates because it was all about being as lean as possible rather than performing as well as possible. And so when you start putting leanness on the pedestal, and I have a personal experience with this as well, you have more capacity to undereat and do other things that aren't actually conducive to performance. And what doesn't get talked about a lot in performance is what's known as relative energy deficiency in sport, red S. And this is when you don't have enough energy availability to go through normal bodily processes. So you're exercising at a high volume and a high intensity, and you're not eating enough food to recover from that exercise or put back into your body because your body is prioritizing the energy output for the exercise that you're pushing yourself through. Your body doesn't have enough energy for really important bodily processes. This is where women lose their yeah. periods. So what bodily functions so our members know? Oh, right. Well, like, you know, your body does so much like digest food, repair yeah. cells you, you, um, on a daily basis, re the regenerative cell, you know, production of sex steroid hormones and all of these yeah. things like take literal energy. And so when you're under eating and over exercising, your body will try to spare energy as much as it can. So it will slow you down non-exercise wise. This is when people get really, really tired. They get really sluggish. They get really fatigued. They fidget less. They move around less. So even if you're getting your steps in, your body will compensate where it can. It will convert more energy from food. So it will you know, digest more and hold on to more. Um, and it will even give you less energy output in your workouts. And it means that you won't recover or adapt from your workouts nearly as well as you could if you were well fueled. So yeah. then you're not even, you know, recovering and adapting from exercise. Yeah. So it's a, basically a race to the bottom. Yeah. So look, sort of the key ones just for members, if they're potentially in this situation would be women losing their periods, men losing yeah. their sex drive. Yeah. Um, poor digestion. Poor like, digestion, uh, poor sleep. Poor sleep, yeah. Low mood. 
So the good Maybe thing, injuries on the balance. Yeah, and more injuries. What about cold all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your immune saying, system goes through the floor. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, and, yeah. and heat as well. Yeah, yeah. so you, you know you'd you'd um, you'd be cold a lot more, and you, you get higher risk of infection. Mm. So your immune systems through the floor, and it, one of the things is like you can know if you're well fed and your balance between exercise is good if you are hungry, happy, and horny. That that is it, right? That's and that comes from the OPEX founder, yeah. James Fitzgerald. But when he said that, I was like, that's a really great way to remember Good it. Framework, yeah. Because you know you can look at HRV and sleep patterns and things like mm. that for measures of recovery. But if you're checking in with yourself, those three are a great benchmark. And if something's off, then then something's off. Yeah, and right? and that weird. Oh, um, when people are in that that sort of too lean, they don't feel hungry. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, because again. Excessive high intensity exercise can blunt appetite, mm. which is why then, you know, because you know that I'm a big advocate of intuitive eating. I yeah. work a lot with more uh, general population folk. With athletes, I've even chatted with a, with a friend of mine, Matt, about intuitive eating for athletes because we were talking about how do we apply this framework to an athletic population because your hunger might not be present with high intense exercise. But that's where the rational thought piece comes in, right? Because mm. intuitive eating is the complex interplay of rational thought, emotion, and intuition. And so you rationally know that as someone who is performing excessively, you have a greater need for energy and particularly carbohydrates, protein as well for recovery, but carbohydrates, remember carbs to go. So you can almost bypass your appetite to an extent. Yeah, to be like, I need this every, you know, I'm going to eat two hours before training. I'm going to eat an hour after training. I'm going to eat every three hours. I'm going to you know, keep myself well fed because I know that I've got a lot of energy and you can monitor. It's so interesting with, with uh, CrossFit in particular, because with the amount of CrossFitters I used to work with, I would give them more food, eat more, mm. eat more regularly, pre-workout, post-workout. And they would, you know, I know that we're not, we're saying that leaner, leanness isn't the sign of fitness, but a lot of them would get leaner mm. because they are recovering more, mm. right? And they're recovering better and, so, and their muscle mass would improve. And that's a big thing as well. Like people chase leanness, not realizing that no matter how high your protein intake is, you're going to lose muscle mass mm. when you lose overall weight. So like I say, rather than focusing on weight loss, why don't you just focus on getting stronger? Mm. Focus on improving your performance. Focus on fueling your workouts and focusing on getting the best for you because that looks different on so many different people. And yes, I chased leanness at the extent of many things, um, and that was perpetuated because of the leanness of the CrossFit Games athletes. Mm. And really, it's like... Well, it was just societal at that stage. When you were in CrossFit, it, it was about how lean you were. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think it's shifting. You're seeing some bigger athletes out on the stage now. But definitely when I started and we yeah. used that, like you used it before me, like it was all about like zone diet, get lean, paleo, you know, all those things. And it was like... It was a, like you say, it was a race to the bottom. It was who could be the leanest mm. and also the most depleted mm. and then not perform. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'll jump in here, give you a chance to rest and sort of gather what you talked about. But like my experience, I can just talk about my experience on this. So the leaner you are, the fitter you are is the concept. Like I went through a stage where I did zone diet and I got really, really lean. Um, and I felt pretty awesome when it came to workouts obviously because I was lighter and I was doing less work I was carrying around less and I felt like I felt like I could train three you know do workouts three times a day I felt brilliant 
but whenever I had to do anything that was heavy or power based, I felt awful. Well, when I say awful, like I could snap or break, you know. Right. And I, and my performance workouts wise improved, but my um, lifting and things like that just stunted. I just didn't I just didn't get stronger, which at the time was like my main goal, right? Which was stupid of me. I, I thought I could do both. Yeah. I I've actually you know, being on both sides of the fence now and then gone the other way where I potentially put on a little bit of weight. And I think generally you feel more robust, more strong, more capable when you are less lean. Yeah. And then the other way, when you are super lean, you feel like you can smash like aerobic stuff, but mm. you feel brittle yeah. and fragile and, and those things. And, and I think like, it's just not true. That concept's just not true. The leaner no. the fit you are because you know, why are some, you know, look at someone like Reggie Fasson, who's UK, one of the best UK athletes. He's not particularly lean. Jack Turner is one of the best guys who everyone knows in well, the gym, not particularly I, lean. I think, I think we then need to clarify what lean means. Oh, okay. Right? Because like, if you look at Reggie Fasser, Jack Turner and Matt Fraser. Relative to population, lean. Yeah, lean. I see what you're saying. And, I mean, and, not. And this is yeah. the thing with like bigger yeah. blokes in CrossFit, right? Because yeah. like, I used to get fat jokes against me even when I was leaner than yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was another thing that. Sorry, that was remiss of me. That no, 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 no. But yeah. this is what I'm talking about is that like, you're obviously talking about it in a comparison to the other CrossFit to athletes. Brett Kowski. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas when we declare it's the population level yeah and again it's the whole like well leanness can be very much driven by um a genetic predisposition and mm. you know we can look at the results of long-term weight loss and how terrible they are and and how much that requires to someone to continue doing and lifestyle is a big factor and that doesn't mean that someone's lifestyle is wrong but someone's lifestyle as a professional athlete is very different to a, a you know mum or dad with three kids and a full-time job Right, yeah. like as a CrossFit coach in London, I walked to the tube station, walked to the gym, did two training sessions a day, coached on my feet walked all day, feet, yeah, walked okay. home. Yeah. 30,000 steps a day, mm. easily. Three and a half thousand calories a day, mm. lean as heck. Mm. But like, I was obsessed with tracking calories mm. because I was obsessed with getting lean, mm. right? And like, that's that darker side then is that that preoccupation took over a lot of my life because I was forcing myself into a shape that really I wasn't meant to yeah. be at. I'll just jump in on there and that actually, I'm probably going too much now, but there was like a weird, I will admit mindset wise, there was a weird, like I was drawn to it. Did you find that as well? Well, yeah, but we're both like, men. Yeah. Lean and shredded for men is like the pinnacle. Yeah. Of like, like superhero, James Bond. I, I, I kind of got a momentum with it. Yeah. Like, and I can see how like a mental, uh, sorry, an, an, eat, an eating disorder would occur from that because like I was looking in the mirror and going, that's class. Like maybe I'll cut out the extra protein yogurt I'm having and that. Like I was eating very little anyway, but you feel, I don't know, I was drawn to it in a way. But I love how this is coming from you, Max. Because yeah. there's not enough men that are speaking about this, which is yeah. why I'm so big on it now. Because if I look at the classifications for eating disorders, I met the classification of bulimia. Yeah. Because bulimia is compensation, which can be through purging, which I never did, or through exercise, right? And I only realized that when I watched the Freddie Flintoff documentary on BBC, mm. where he talked about the absolute hammering he got from the press for being fat. And then that led to his absolute fixation on being thin as a way to improve his fitness. But it's like he was already fit. He was playing test cricket. Mm. It wasn't about his fitness. It was about his image. Yeah. And it was the, well, you're clearly not fit because you're fat. It's like, well, one, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't that large. He had some extra fat on him. But that's the 
anti-fat bias that you get from people like Piers Morgan, who's yeah. an absolute dumpster fire of a bloke, mm. who just perpetuate this whole, if you have any form of body fat on you, you are clearly unhealthy and it is your responsibility to fix. Mm. And when you grow up like someone like me, where I had different puppy fat stages of my childhood, adolescence and, and young adulthood, to have that constant like barrage of fat jokes meant that of course I was absolutely preoccupied with getting lean. Mm. And as soon and it became a game, I was like, right, can I get can I get to a lower weight? Can I get an extra bicep vein? Can I get mm. oh I can see my ribs now. Can I like can I take that further? Mate, Mate that, it was, like it that was is exactly that how I felt. And like I remember this and this is not me like bragging or whatever, but I remember one time I actually saw an ab vein and I was like, whoa, that's class. God, I want to have, have them everywhere. But like, why? It didn't help, like, it didn't help me. And actually I was perfor performing in terms of relative, like to the rest of the CrossFit field at the time, worse. Yeah, right. But, and it's interesting because yeah. you talked about zone and, and there would be a very scientific reason for that. And that zone was what, what zone had the exact blocks. Yeah, like it was like hormonally based, carb fat. Uh, hormonally balanced food. But it said, but then it was like, if you get lean, double your fat. Mm. So you were like, oh, I felt great in workouts. So what you'd become was very fat adapted to aerobic mm. metabolism. Yeah. But you had no carbs. Yeah. And lifting is a glycolytic activity. So of yeah. course you couldn't lift. And that's why I just got no bent fuel. under every bar. Yeah. 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 So it's like, that makes exact sense when you look at it scientifically. Mm. I started to perform better when I first started like tracking calories and macros, but that's because I was more consistent with the amount of carbs I was having. Mm. And that's because I went from a very low carb bodybuilder meal plan into calorie tracking so like my carbohydrates doubled overnight basically but then that had an inverse relationship i started performing worse because i was still eating less food than i needed yeah because i was focused on losing weight and getting leaner so it's like it was yeah man it's i talk about that a lot more now that i'm on the other side of it because i could see it from what it is but yeah that's why i have so much to say about that topic. yeah no I, mate it's like like you say it's, it's quite a powerful one like and also quite a sinister one, isn't it? It like absorbs people. When you see it, yeah, you can't unsee it. Yeah. So then, when you start seeing every why in a day video and all the rest of it, you see personal trainers and people that are actually very, very mm. deeply into very dark territories. Yeah, even the old transformations that a lot of people do, like, oh, look at this transformation. It's like one transformation where the lights shone at the person, and like they've yeah. got their two and a half year old boxers on with holes in and then the next transformation they're tanned oiled up lights yep. above them oh yeah and they've got their brand new calvin klein mm. sneaks like awesome mm. ones that you like mm. so i've got a post coming up today which obviously won't be the day that this is released so yeah. on thursday the 8th of june whatever it is today about the reality of after photos and that's mm. because in my podcast beyond the mirror by the way which anyone wants to listen to but uh I did a podcast with a friend of mine, Marcus, and we talked about the reality of before and afters because mm -hmm. I used to market with them yeah. because that's what I was taught as a fitness professional to use. And yeah. What I did a lot of my own was like, hey, look at me. I've solved the problem. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not fat anymore. Look at me. I've solved the cure. Um, and it was all so toxic. And it is toxic because the minute that photo was taken, as, a one, as you said, lighting, posing, you know, dehydration, all of those things play into account, oil, all the rest of it. But as soon as that photo was taken... That's no longer an after. That photo is now a past. And I know for a fact, because I see it, I, I, I'm in many fitness circles, uh, so many of those before and afters are photos of people that are from a year ago. And, and the reason I created the podcast is because I literally saw it where this coach posted a before and after of this person. And I know the person now. 
And they don't look like them. They look more like the before picture. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Because they're actually returning back to probably their set point. Yeah. And I talk a lot about that in my content, about set point and relationship with food and exercise and where you are meant to be. Because if we look at the reality of long-term weight loss, and, and I see fitness professionals parading this as if this is a good thing. They're like, yeah, look, you can maintain at least 10% of your body weight if you weigh yourself every day and continue to track all your food. And it's like, well, do you do that? And they're like, no, 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 because I've got good habits. Like, do you have good habits? Or do you have a lifestyle that allows you to be much more active than the gen pop and also, a, you know, you've never been a different shape in your life. And if, and if anything, you're just more muscular because you've lifted weights for the last 10 years. Nothing wrong with that, but you've never gone from fat to thin. And they're like, oh yeah, that's true. It's like, so you don't have better habits. You have a different body. Mm. And a different lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're going to move on. <laughs> so I feel like uh, we could do a full podcast on that. Um, maybe we should. Yeah, maybe we should actually. We'll do a nutrition series maybe, mate. Eh? Um, let you take the lead. Cool. So um, moving on to our workout then, guys, which is all about this mindset. Um Today, I'm going to talk through and um, Johnny's going to sort of chip in here and there based on his experience of Ben Bergeron, who is the owner of CrossFit New England in America. He's one of the sort of top um, or most experienced CrossFit coaches in the world at the moment. And he is also a mindset coach. So he delivered a couple of TED Talks on mindset. And his goal when he delivered these TED Talks was to give a framework for people to uh, sort of think about what mindset is. And in his head, people often confuse mental toughness or mental resilience with physical toughness, physical resilience. An example would be, you know, when David Goggins sets off and he's got his knees taped together and his ankles taped together and he's got injuries here and there. and Because he's, he's got a million demons. <laughs> still completes, you know, <laughs> these marathons and ultra marathons that he does. You know, that's actually physical resilience and physical toughness. The mindset is a different piece. So he came up with this framework with these levels. So you've got level one through five. Level one is called the victim. And uh, level two is called the pessimist. Level three is called the optimist. Level four is the realist. And level five is the warrior. Very American, that, isn't it? The warrior at the end. Uh, yeah. Oh, well. Um, so, and, and his take on this is that... Um, you have different levels based on your life activities. So, for example, with Johnny, is singing, he could be a level three, an optimist, is CrossFit, he could be a warrior, level five, his, you know, parenthood, is he's about to enter, could be level one victim. And it, it's about how um, in different areas of your life you have different responses to adversity. Um, and an example for that we're going to use as a theme throughout, we're going to do like a couple out of the gym and then we're going to bring it back into the gym afterwards to try and explain an example. An example would be how you react to the adversity of your dog getting muddy on a, on a walk. A very, one, uh, a very close to home uh, <laughs> for topic for both of us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, let's talk through their levels. So an ex example is you go out walking with your dog and they find the biggest, muddiest, stagnant pool of water ever and they jump in and they get really muddy which happens, right? The victim response to that would be, why does this always happen to me? My dog always goes in the mud. You know, I never have time to clean them afterwards. Why does this happen on the worst day for me when I've not got time to deal with it? The pessimist goes, dogs always get muddy. 
dogs always get muddy and you know filthy and you know it's shit having a dog because you always have to clean them afterwards the optimist goes dogs got muddy today but probably won't tomorrow you know or you know they don't always get muddy the optimist the realist goes dogs get muddy sometimes and dogs don't get muddy other times and you know you have to take the rough with the smooth and finally the warrior goes dogs got muddy how can I use this situation to help me improve? Um, and what can I get out of this situation? What's the opportunities that are available to me? Mm. Um, so my take or my um, sort of twist on what Ben's delivered, which I actually quite like as a framework, I do think it's useful and it brings awareness. The problem that I think with it, sorry, Ben, you know, because I do, I do like Ben. Johnny's not so much, but I do like Ben. Uh, my take on it is that it's not just levels and in Ben's head, the framework is how you respond. If you respond with a realist mentality, you are a realist. If you respond with a victim mentality, you are a victim. I don't think it's that. I think it's a levels based system and that is how quickly you move through the levels. I think everyone in every situation is of adversity is going to have a reaction and then it's how quickly you move through those. So the dog jumps into the muddy water. I think everyone's going to go, why, you know, why is my dog always going to water? They're going to always have that initial thought. Then it's how quickly you move from, in my opinion, mental toughness is how quickly you move from that initial reaction to, okay, dog's got many, you know, what can I get out of this situation? How, how can I use this as an opportunity? Mm. Um, and so the kind of main reason I wanted to talk through this is because I know a lot of my, a lot of our members listen to Jason Excellence as the podcast. And I think I've had, and I've had a few discussions with people about this. And I think people think that they're mentally weak if they have these negative thoughts. So if yeah. they come back from a walk and their dog's absolutely filthy, they think, oh, God, I wish he wasn't. They think that they're mentally weak, and I don't think that's the case. No. And that's why, you know, thanks for throwing me under the bus there about other Ben Bergeron. <laughs> and if you're listening to this, Ben, you know, it's not that I don't like you. It's just you've said a few things I don't agree with, which is fair. Because we're allowed to have different. Don't opinions. worry, I don't think Ben's listening. I actually, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, if only. Um, ben Ben has done some great things, and I've liked a lot of his work. He actually posted something about like the ideal body fat percentage of a CrossFit athlete, men and women, which is why I then was like, Ooh, Ooh hard pass, yeah. you know, massive unfollow. Um, but we'll bypass that for now because we've chatted about that at length. With this, it's like it's like any framework, right? Is that the utility for the person is the most important and you don't want to feel victimized by the classifications and that's the mm. issue i find with a lot of the fitness industry is that like oh my client's just a victim and they just don't want it enough and blah 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 mm. because they don't see the massive privilege that they have in their position and also the fact that people are different to them and a lot of people are conditioned to hate exercise and healthy food mm. particularly if they grew up a bit larger like i did because yeah. it's like eat you know, worse tasting food and exercise more because this is all your fault, mm. right? So that, that's why a lot of people then grow up hating those two things. Mm. But on the flip side is that with a victim mentality here, it's not that you have a victim mentality, it's that the human brain can actually be very, very wired for negativity, mm. right? And, and negative thoughts are so human, so human. And it's not about not having negative thoughts because that is, a, that's just an impossibility. It's just yeah, it's reality. completely unrealistic. Not yeah. realistic at all. Yeah. It's instead noticing that it is a negative thought and it does not define you and it is not you. It is a thought. And you then can practice over time being more 
self-compassionate and self-aware of your thoughts. This is where mindfulness and conscious thinking is a great tool. Because it's more about, ah, oh, that's an interesting negative thought. That doesn't serve me. In fact, I would rather think this or yeah. I'm going to ignore that thought because it is negative and therefore I don't need to believe it or act on it. Yeah. And and that's where I think that like the speed will differ in situations as well. Yeah. So we'll run through it again with a second example, which is obviously a little bit more severe. And I've gone with you, you return from your dog walk and instead of your dog being muddy, your house is burned down. Very extreme. Very extreme. Um, and I, again, like talking through house burns down, level one, the victim goes, why me? I'm so unlucky. I can't believe my house is burnt down. Pessimist goes, houses always burn down. You know, there was a chance that I was going to get it. It's happened to me. Optimist goes, that's unlikely to ever happen to me again. You know, no problem. Realist goes, some houses burn down, some don't. It just happens. It is what it is. Warrior goes, house is burnt down. Okay, what can I get out of this situation? What are the opportunities for me to grow as a person? And let me just say that if you're not at the warrior mentality, the, soon, the moment you see your house is burned down, then that's absolutely Normal. fine. Exactly. <laughs> because yeah. it's like, it's so, if my house had burnt down when I'd been out for a dog, I'd be like, oh my God, like what is the chance? You know what I mean? You yeah. would be and completely catastrophic so with the first instance. Yeah, so this was my whole point where I wanted to raise this as a topic is, is it's only a useful framework if you think about it as, as how you progress through the levels, right? And like for a dog walk, a dog getting muddy on the walk, you should be able to get to worry pretty quickly. Like, well, you know, it's not a big deal. House burning down, that's a big deal. It might oh, yeah. take you a year, two years, yeah. three years to get to Warrior and go, actually, you know, as a result of my house burning down, we had to save more for another house. I've now learned skills about saving money that I didn't have before. And as a result, I'm a better person or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like what I think we, me and Johnny both sit really, really like together on is that no one gets back to the house burning down and goes, Excellent. What can I get out of this situation? <laughs> no, because you would be mental. <laughs> exactly. You, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, because yeah. you're not. Because again, we're human. Yeah. And so it's that's why it's great, as you mentioned, to say how quickly can you move through these levels, and it mm. might take you more time depending on the severity of the situation, and also what else happens. Because again, we are all unique, right? Mm. So this is where this is where some people don't understand their privilege because someone who has a house burnt down, but then they have two spare houses they have family in the yeah, yeah. they've got rental properties yeah. they have family in the area they've got somewhere they can move into really quickly um and like loads of supportive friends and family that's going to be different to someone whose house burns down they from another country they've got no friends and family in the area and no spare cash mm. and they weren't insured yeah because they couldn't afford the monthly payments of insurance like that's a very different situation absolutely and as you said there oftentimes your hindsight can allow you that pleasure in a different situation to look back and go actually I am who I am because that event happened mm. and we talked about this before we came on air yeah because I talked about my dad passing away when I was in my teens yeah you know at the time that's horrific like yeah. and it still is you know I it was when I was 16 it's over half of my lifetime ago now but I can see from my time now how we responded in that situation as as best we could you know my brother and I focused on school and we focused on supporting each other we focused on being there for my uh, my mum um and my mum was like well i've got a business to run here because that's what my parents did they ran their own company she yeah. was like i've got to find a way that i can manage this by myself um and thankfully we have the internet so again thankfully we have the internet so that she could pivot the business because they took all of their orders through 
phone and email. This was before you had shopping carts on websites. Jesus. Yeah, 2006. But that technology was new. So she bought a software that allowed her to create a shopping cart website so that people could place orders online and pay through the internet rather than phone call and email. So actually increased the revenue of the business through that, through not hiring staff. So, you know, I tell my mum this all the time. I'm like, you're a fucking rock star, you know, because you did these things in, in light of the biggest catastrophe you could probably face, yeah. right? And I also look back now and say, my brother and I are different people because of that event, because of the way that we adapted and mm. what happened afterwards. You know, I wouldn't have done musical theatre at uni had that not happened. I'd be down a completely different path. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like something as tragic as that, like a, a bereavement in the family might take you five years to get through those levels, but or 10 years, depending, like you say, on the situation. But um, yeah, I think kind of going back to our original point is no one has someone, a family member die and goes, awesome, what can I get from the situation? It's yeah, just no. completely unrealistic. Like, so what we wanted to sort of dispel was this myth that like in order to be a warrior you have to respond immediately in the right way and actually it brings me on to my second point which is i think having the minds those thoughts of like why is this happened to me that's awful can't believe this has happened is one thing but actually my test of mental fitness what i would test is okay what are your actions that you took as a result of that situation so in your mum's situation right my partner's no longer here to help me with my business. I'm going to have to work without that help. I need a software system. And she took action and she delivered it. And as a result, kept food on the table for you and your, your brother. Yeah. Unreal. Like yeah, yeah. that is mental toughness. Yeah. Like, incredible mental toughness. Like it's the actions that you, what's the next best thing? By the way, not contrasting this to your situation. No, no, no. And I, I wouldn't want that. Like, an ex- I just thought yeah, no, example an example for yeah. this weekend for us on the work was... Uh, we, you know, first event, you know, get to the final worm and uh, we've probably gone a little bit too hot. Jack and Tara completely blown, uh, blown up from the sandbag and Dublinders that they have to do twice through before they got onto the last set of worm cleaning jerks. We get out there and um, Jack's, you know, a real asset for us on the worm because he's so strong. He switches me onto the front because his back's absolutely blown. I yeah. come onto the front and we miss a rep because I'm yeah. not used to the technique of being at the front. How hard is the front, by the way? Yeah, brutal. Thanks, Jack, for being on the front. All yeah, time. yeah, it's all and then, um And then, we so we miss a rep. We go again, second one. We miss the second one. Now, in that situation, we haven't got long to get to Warrior, which is, like, what's the next best thing that I have to do? Mm. And, like, we could quite easily turn and go, oh, what, who's, whose fault is this? Why are we missing like all those things? But the next best thing we can do at that point when the worm's at 90 degrees is put it back in our lane. Yeah. What's the next thing after that? Switch back to me and Jack. Yeah. What's the next thing after that? Do a rep. Yeah. And that's what we did. No, good. We, like we, if we'd have spent 10 seconds in pessimist going, it's the end of the workout and everyone always misses reps at the end of the workout. This is, you know, this is our fate. Yeah. Or it's okay. I'll just do another rep and it'll be fine, optimist, mm-hmm. or really, you know, if we'd have wasted time, we'd have wasted time on the workout. Mm-hmm. What we needed to go straight from through the levels as quickly as possible, which like I said, I'm not, not contrasting that in any way, shape or form to the situation that you had, but like that's an example, a gym-based example, yeah. More relative probably to 
the experience is here. Yeah, so, <laughs> so um, <laughs> on the moving on then, so just tying it back into the gym, we've got a gym-based example and I kind of want to run through that. So the example is someone who misses a training session, right? Mm. So the victim says, um, you know, there's no way I can train. My boss doesn't give me enough time. You know, I've missed this session every single week. I'm just going to cancel my membership. Yeah, that's the victim. Pessimist goes, this situation always happens to me. It happens to everybody. We haven't got enough time to train at the moment. No one's got enough money, blah, blah. The optimist goes, hopefully next month it'll be okay. Yeah, and even though it might not be. The realist goes, it's okay. Sometimes we miss sessions. Sometimes we, we don't. That's, that's normal. And then the warrior goes, I've missed the session. Okay, what else, you know, what potentially can I do? Can I lean into my recovery? Can I make sure my next meal is slightly better? Can I do a quick run instead? What can I learn from, how can I, what are the opportunities presented to me in this situation? Yeah, and I love that because again, it's, it's, it's remembering the, because this is where we can talk about the toxicity of the fitness industry on social media till the cows come home. But there's a lot of like, oh, we all have the same amount of time in the day and you mm. just got to want it more and blah, 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 blah. And actually that's not true because we all have a different amount of things that we need to fit inside that time. Commutes, bosses, workloads, kids, all of those things. Yeah. And so it can be easy to get caught up in that. And you are human to get caught up in that. We all do. Right. Because you are allowed to complain about how unfair life can be in those situations. And then also... On the flip side, think about your lifestyle and what that brings you. You know, the job that you you travel to, you know, pays you a wage that allows you to have the kids and the lifestyle that you have now. And then you've got to think, so how can I be as active as I can? And if I want to be more active, is this routine still serving me? Do I have opportunities to change? Is it more about doing, you know, smaller things more regularly, like more breaks from the desk, you know, like push-ups in the office or going on a quick run after work, you know, taking running gear and stuff. And it's, it's, it's what we call in um, fitness research implementation intentions, where it's like, if this happens, then I will do this. If this happens, then I'll do this. And you can kind of create a bunch of these for regular scenarios, but you can also create a bunch of these for, uh, you know, scenarios that might not always happen. I have to work late or, you know, kids got stuck at school or... I have to go pick up the kids at school because my partner can't or, you know, the oven broke and we need to make dinner. So it's like, if this happens, then I will do this. And if you create a backlog of these in your phone or somewhere like that, you start to create a real repertoire of things that you are accepted with. Because sometimes it's like, well, I'm just going to have a rest day. Yeah. And that's okay because I'm still going to be able to get to the gym three times this week and that's better than none. Yeah. And like, again, with that situation... It might take you a day, like 10 minutes, an hour, a day to go, actually, you know, it doesn't always happen to me. This is the first session I've missed because of work, you know, in the last month. And actually what I can do is work on my running that I wanted to run on, you know, practice before anyway. And it might take you a little while to get there, but as long as you're aware of like the thought process and moving through the levels, then you still you know, have some mental toughness and mental resilience and no one's expecting you to go, great, I missed the session. Awesome. Yeah. What can I get from this situation? No, no one's going to, no one's going to react like that. No. Yeah. Wicked. Right guys, hope you uh, enjoyed that. Got something from it. If you want to um, dive into levels a little bit more, check out Chase and Excellence. It's Ben's podcast. You know, it is useful to have a reference to him. And I, I do have like awareness of the thoughts now because of the framework. I listen to myself 
and go, oh, that's the victim. Okay, cool. You know, and I know when it's coming. Um, I do think it's worth checking out. If not, use that framework and hopefully today you've sort of give yourself a little bit of compassion when you do have some negative reactions to adversity. And maybe you can look back in situations in your life that you've had where you've had difficult situations and probably reached that warrior, you know, eventually towards the end anyway. Mm. Cool. cool. Thanks, Johnny. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening to the Shire Fit Podcast with Max and Johnny. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and we will see you next week for another episode.